Welcome to Planning Phase Syndicate, episode 51. This episode, Charles is going to join us again after his move into his new house, and we will be talking about the new Republic cards that were revealed this week. Also, we're going to review some of the Kyber Cup results because I think it is going to affect a little bit because last week for Kyber Cup, we actually played Scramble the Transmissions. And for our third and final segment, what we're going to do is actually break scramble the transmissions down and talk through essentially that piece and what we feel is a good competitive strategy um, and where you should be placing obstacles, what squads go good in that for our continuation of our Academy 101. Without further ado, let's bring in my co-host for tonight. Welcome, Charles. How are you tonight, sir? I'm freaking exhausted but i'm overjoyed to finally be back on stream and messing around with you guys as we inch closer and closer and closer uh to the one year anniversary of the stream yep and speaking of that we have actually started planning it uh for the stream this 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 upcoming year it, our anniversary will not be our 52nd episode folks just so y'all know um our anniversary will actually be the second or third week in june is 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 when we're going to probably be doing it um and so jj and i already started planning a little bit um for what will you want to bring on we're going to bring john and matt back on hopefully and get them on the stream as well uh, to have them uh talk through kind of a recap of last year our views our thoughts on 2.5 going forward and if anybody's happened to play a 2.0 game i have actually um in the recent coming months so Anyway, Charles, you moved. How's your new house? Your it's room looks massive. bigger. <laughs> it's ridiculous how big this house is. Uh, we went from I went from just a hair under two thousand square feet. I think we were at nineteen hundred square feet in the old house, uh, and that's without the garage. Uh, and our new home is just a hair over three thousand square feet, and that's not including the garage. So it is a massive, massive house. And my, uh, my office is coming along. I've got the command center set up, which is what's important, you know, for work and et cetera. Um, but I um, hope to have all the decorations. Um, I bought a lighting kit for the cabinet behind me that is currently unlit. So I can have that lit up. Uh, and hopefully... Um, I might be able to motion capture. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out how to do it on my phone. Um, you know, where you set your phone up on a tripod for a really, really long period of time and then like speed it up. Um, mm -hmm. Because I do have the Ultimate Collector Series Millennium Falcon uh, sitting on the floor to my left in all 7,400 and... 7,541 pieces of its glory. And I think it would be cool as a side stream video or something like that to uh, capture the weeks or however long it's going to take for me to uh, finish that up. I think that would be cool. Well, what we what we should do is let's let's talk through that after the show. But I think I know how to make that style of a video if you record all of it. <laughs> And if you could get your webcam going and you can get your iPhone going or whatever phone you have and capture it in a couple different angles, we could kind of like piece those two together and then I'm put sure some cool audio. 
um, audio for it. Because, yeah, if you have a couple of cameras and you can do it, it actually is not that hard for me to do like a speed up motion picture. We can do it like uh, like what you're talking about. Um, and and we can that. catch we can all of the cussing. cussing. <laughs> I'm going to separate out all the cussing. Oh, there's going to be all together. so much. Like just do a massive cut of, of all of the curse words and obscenities that are dropped. Yeah, we'll put it. We'll put it like maybe we'll start a TikTok, right? And we'll do a TikTok <laughs> with just Charles cussing. We'll have like three different videos that Charles can have. This is Charles putting the Millennium Falcon together. Fuck shit. Fit, fuck. Oop, my, my guess. All right, I guess we'll turn the explicit tag on now. I guess you're gonna have to turn the explicit tag on now. <laughs> um, maybe I'll go back and edit that out. Anyway, so that's that's, that's cool that you have that. Um, and I think that would be some fun that we can uh, we can mess with. You know, uh, if you can record it all. As you can tell, JJ is frozen in time. He will not be here tonight. Him and his wife are celebrating, um, I think, her work anniversary at Disney this year. So uh, they are not going to join us. And unfortunately, it's raining. So I don't know how much fun he's actually having. But he called me and it sounded like he had had at least a couple of drinks uh, to that go with his about accurate for Especially for like a Disney anniversary party or something like that. They They do it big. So... Awesome. Well, that is cool. Um, so, so Charles, you've been a little bit gone, but we're not going to go through all the other upgrades or all the other spoilers, right? That got released. But did you have any spoiler over the last month that you had not covered that like tickled your fancy or was something that was like the best thing you could ever imagine? I'll be honest. Um, as as a scum player, not really. Right. There's there's not a whole lot. I don't think Cad Bane ship is going to have scum pilots. I'm not 100 percent on that. I haven't really been keeping up with it between work and, and moving and everything there. But I think the one thing that has got me excited um, as a uh, Republic player um, are the clone like Z95 pilots. There's a lot of really neat mechanics and I love the uh, the chassis ability that it has to where if you dial in a blue maneuver you get to add uh an action to the action bar um and i think that that by far has been just some of the coolest things because while yes it makes you a little bit more predictable um it gives a lot of craziness towards your capabilities for maneuvers but uh, also for those of us who are of the older demographic, it's going to create some havoc in remembering triggers. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that one. All right. Well, why don't we go into the new spoilers here? Why don't we go ahead and do that? And I will bring up on screen the couple of new spoilers that we happen to get this week. The first one we have is called boost. And I have no idea why they call him boost, but they call him. They're calling him Boost. He is a clone that says at the start of engagement, if there is a friendly ship at range zero to one whose revealed maneuver is blue, you may perform a boost action. Notably, he is an I-3. So I'm trying to think of how many, <laughs> how many of your other ships are going to actually be at range zero to one of you and have already revealed the blue maneuver. I'm personally not very excited for this one. No, that one doesn't exactly like do anything crazy. Um, I mean, realistically at the start of engagement though, right? So at a three, you oh, can, okay, you're right. you can cause bumps 
Um, you can ram yourself into somebody else. Um, but keep in mind um, that it is a friendly ship at range zero one. So it's not another friendly ship at range zero one. It is a friendly ship. So if you look at with versatile frame, right? If your revealed maneuver is blue, you add a white boost to your action bar. You could, in theory, reveal a blue maneuver, use the uh, focus or target lock action, wait for everybody to finish their maneuvers, and then at the start of engagement, you are range zero to yourself. And you are friendly to yourself. So if you have the clearance to be able to do so, you could boost yourself into a range one shot. So I take my opinion back. I like that, actually. And can you think, <laughs> think about it with Hawk, right? Hawk's going to come in. Hawk has Ayla. Hawk can do a like a coordinate. If you already have a target lock or a focus token, he can coordinate um, the opposite one for you. And then you're going in boosting in. Not only that, but if you are trying to arc dodge, because Z95s aren't exactly known for their longevity on the board uh, with a two-hull, two-shield, um, you can use a boost to kind of dip out or to jump from range two to range three to give yourself that extra defense die if someone's behind you. Um, I mean, it does open up a lot of possibility because you have the option to do a white boost if you need to. Um, but again, on that blue maneuver, um, as long as you're revealing a blue, it gives you always a after or you know start of engagement boost action so you don't ever have to use the versatile frame boost action you will always get it but if somebody else is at zero one to you that's also revealed a blue um then you can perform it so you could do a white maneuver and have like ahsoka blue maneuver in and then she can do her little wackadoodle uh, fine-tuned controls where she barrel rolls and then she spends a force to boost in and gets to range one of you, spends a force so that she can, or, you know, then her regular action is a focus. She's now done a blue maneuver. She's at range zero one to you, so you get to boost in for a better shot as well. There's a lot of different options to, re especially with like Jedi repositioning and things like that. As long as the revealed maneuver is a blue, you're you're golden. This is that's actually a pretty decent card because it's the start of engagement that changes it. If it's you know a card at zero to one is blue, you can do a boost during um, during maneuvers. That's not so good. But when you're at the start of engagement, being able to <sighs> I hate to say this because I really don't want them to take it away, but this reminds me of like sense or the informant right where you're allowed to reposition your car your ship after you know where everybody else is this essentially gives you an i3 ace because you're going to be able to reposition yourself after everybody else has gone after yep. i6s mm -hmm. i1s everything this is a start of engagement and this will probably work uh really well with adas cuz adas can reposition during the system phase and then maneuver. So you get a whole lot of repositioning capability out of some ultimately fragile ships um, that will allow you to be better at arc dodging and staying out of those shots. Um, yeah, and I think it all depends on how many loadout points we get, right? If we get 10 loadout points, like uh, like uh, they said in the chat, you can put extra handling on it for three. 
right? And yep. you still have room for missiles. So, oh, like, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Or torpedoes. You can still put plasmas. Oh, on yeah, yeah. Plasmas are yeah. seven. Yeah. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And plasmas so are I, I think it's a strong card. I, I really like this card. Um, I don't know how much I'm going to play it just because I don't run a lot of Republic. It's the only other faction that I do play regularly. Um, but I don't know how much money I want to sink into buying these Zs. I'll probably buy one pack just so I have two of them. Um, but we'll have to see. But I do like this pilot. I think it's. I think there's a lot of options for versatility in play for offense and defense to be able to boost after everybody's already gone. Yep, and I think again it comes down to how the, how they, if they, and this will be a discussion we're going to have in a few minutes. But if they change Jedi points. Because if the Jedi's become more expensive, for example, Barris Ophi goes up to four points, you and these come in at two to three, you're going to be a little more uh, wanting to run one of these, right? Then, right. And if, if your five point Jedi's go up to six or something like that, like, or they lose all their missile slots, you might not want Jedi's anymore. But so, an interesting thing about uh, boost as well especially mm -hmm. during scenarios like scam scramble the transmissions or the the cargo scenario where you have to spend your action to either take over the the satellite or grab the cargo or whatever being able at the start of engagement to still boost yeah. gives you the option of a free action to pick something up or to change a you know to change over uh, an objective to give yourself more points uh, so that does also give it some versatility on that level as well. Yep. All right. Our next pilot is slider. Did you want to take this one? Yeah, I got that. Um, so sliders an I four. Um, when you reveal, so of, of, and just real quick for anybody that's listening on the podcast, it does still have the versatile frame. All of the Z 95s have the versatile frame uh, that give you a torpedo or missile upgrade. Um, part of me hopes that a couple of these will have a missile or torpedo upgrade innately on it. So maybe you can run two on the Z95. I think that that would be a lot of fun. Um, but while your revealed maneuver is blue, you can add the white boost action to your action bar. Um, Slider's regular ability, though, is that when you reveal a two bank maneuver, left or right, uh, you may spend two charges to execute this as a side slip. Um, so this is, funnily enough, uh, it's a decloak action, really. Um, who is it? Is it Echo? There was a, a yep. phantom, the phantom that allows you to decloak on a bend. Yep. Um, and um, and also the Star Viper uh, allows you to barrel roll on the bend. But this isn't the one bend, it's a two. So really every three turns, you can drift yourself into a uh you know what i mean you can drift yourself into a shot um because you basically can swing out to the side and anybody who has fought against or has actually played uh hmps they can tell you just how strong that side slip maneuver is um especially at an i4 that gets you pretty high in the initiative value um to be able to see where other people are before you decide if you want to spend that charge to do the side slip or if you want to do the regular bank this gives you a lot of um 
advanced sensors gurry feeling to it that allow you to decide whether you want to spend the charges to go sideways or if you want to go forward it's not a committed maneuver until you it's your turn to activate uh so i think this again these z95 pilots are showing a lot of versatility in how they play uh which hopefully will add to their ability to live a little bit longer on that stat line what do you think yeah. In, and I agree with you. So this is my favorite one so far. Um, the question, the question I have, the first question, I have a million questions, but the first one I have really though, right, is yeah. is um, with this side slip because they call it a side slip. Will they consider that a um, advanced maneuver? Do you think that they're going to consider it just like it is on the, um, specifically on the HMPs? That is an interesting question, and I don't know. Now, they may do like an errata to the rules reference um, where a side slip is considered an advanced maneuver. But normally, what I've seen are advanced maneuvers allow you to change the uh, orientation of the ship. So like a, a Kjorgan turn allows you to do the 180 at the end of it. A Talon roll allows you to do the 90-degree turn. And the um, the S loop, the Sanger's loop, allows you to do the one the one eighty at the end of it. So I don't know if this. Did you I would say, say HMP yes, specifies. Uh, they called it out in the rules because it's a side slip. It was a it was a thing in the in the clarifications that they did. So yes, because I because it, that's why HMPs are not ran right now because they cost so much. And you get one green die, and you can't even do any of your weird shenanigans if you pick a crate up. So, if HMPs come down in price, then it's then it's inconsequential. But at the at the current price level that they are, I, I mean, I could take a a five health bomber with two agility that I can only just not um, do my turnaround maneuvers, and that's it. But the HMPs rely on that side slip as like a gimmick for them. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and and without being able to do that with that crate on there, it, it, it makes them uh, overpriced. Um, so I hope then, personally, I hope they say side slips are no longer uh, advanced maneuvers, but I'm going to guess that it is. I will still tell you this is still my favorite pilot, being able to do, yeah, like you said, like the weird, gurry, bendy move, um, which, in a, by the way, I might be running a, or be playing in a 2.5 in-person tournament that's extended. And if I do, I will probably bring Guri just for you, Charles. Um, yes, bring the Star Vipers. I, I'm really tempted to not bring, you know, to bring Guri. I don't care where I place any of that. I just was, I, I had that Guri card now and it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would like bring to bring that spot gloss and show it off. Yeah. I anyway, um, but I, I think this is my favorite pilot so far, and that's probably because it has a separatist bend to it, right? You know, I get my side oh, slip sure. every other turn, which is essentially identical to what a, a separatist ship is. Uh, um, it's not every other turn because you're because you're not spending the charges until um, until your maneuver. You're not gaining one back until the next. So it's not like um, oh yeah, uh, what's his name? the crew that you can spend to keep the circular tokens. Gamut uh, it's a key. scum crew. Gamut key. It's because you spend that during the system or um, during the end phase. 
the very next system phase, you immediately recharge one. So that is literally every other, other turn um, because you're not spending it until the end phase. Because this requires two charges to reboost it, it's going to be two turns after you spend it before you can do it again. All right. Well, still excited. Not going to not gonna lie. Still excited about this one. So. Oh, I am as well. Very much so. All right. The last card that they were they gave us was homing torpedoes. Um, and I'm not going to even bother to read the card. If you don't know what homing missiles are, homing torpedoes are the exact same thing. They just gave it to the torpedo slot. So you can, except for the difference here is it's only range one to two. Whereas I believe, um, homing missiles are two to three. And I, if you want to check that for me, Charles, what are we, I, what homing missiles range? Yeah, I think it's two to three though. And this one is one to two. So this is big, right? If you, if they cost the same and now I have the ability to shoot you at range one or two, you have to take that crit damage. There is literally no, I mean, you don't want somebody at range one throwing a four dice missile attack at you. I mean, it's like a profit minus a dice, but you get a guaranteed crit. That's huge. Yeah. So, um, so homing missiles are a four dice range, two to three attack okay. two charge. And then for these, like you said, for these, they are a uh, four dice attack at run two, also two charge. Um, and the other major difference is the homing missile. Um, they can choose to take a hit instead of a crit. So with a homing missile, it's uh, after you declare the defender, the defender may choose to suffer one damage. If it does, you skip the attack and defense die. Oh, so they're oh taking one one regular hit at range two to three, whereas this they can choose to take a crit instead of you, allowing you to roll four damage. That's insane. So That's on a ship crazy, with a shield, right? on a ship with shields, this doesn't change, right? It's just it yeah. gives you it gives you the ability to do it at range one. But for hull only ships, like say a Fang. Like that, that's a choice. That's a huge choice to take a crit damage versus taking a, uh, you know, versus versus allowing someone to roll four dice. Yeah. And if you pair this with any pilot that allows you, um, like, I don't know if the Empire pilots that can do it, but there's a couple of pilots out there that when you deal out a crit, you get to pick the crit. Like, if you, uh, is Merkel's there a Kylo steel. ship? Is there a Kylo ship that can run a torpedo? Well, let's look. Hold on. Uh, Just curious, because like that, that uh, the was it show you the dark side that allows you to pick your crit ahead of time? If oh. you were to, if you were to, you know, deal out a crit, that you could choose that. <laughs> if you could throw these on him and they choose to take the crit, do you get to give them? So the silence, you know, the one that Kylo. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you do. You one hundred percent do. Yes. And yep. silencers can run torps. Yep. Yep. And Kylo, so, it like, is a point. But. Yes, because Kylo is ever worried about the points that he's running. <laughs> he's not. You, we, we don't see a lot of Kylo right now. Oh, well, let me check. No, the other but Kylo. I mean, if you can use Kylo to dole out a crit, like here, I'll roll four dice, or you can just take the crit I chose for you. Like, which way do you roll? Do you, do you take the crit or do you take you chance four dice? 
uh, you you take the crit because that's in like there is zero reason why you you have to. You do not want Kylo rolling four oh, dice I, I double modded. I agree wholeheartedly, but I'm just saying, like, holy crap. Yep. Okay, so they made these a million times more powerful. Oh, can you imagine Wedge, too? Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. These are going to be able to be taken on Wedge? Ugh. Well, I mean, to be fair, if you're firing at me with Wedge, if I have, like, hypothetically, Wedge gets behind Bosk, who only gets one die to begin with, and Wedge is going to make it zero. Now just take the crit. Thanks. Ha- have, a, have a great day. You're not rolling four dice against me. Ooh, you know who else can take these? Who? Ben Rao, baby. Yeah, he can. <laughs> Look at that shit. Yuck. So, so just so you know, um, looking at the rules reference, just to call back, a side slip is an advanced maneuver. Okay. So because it does say side slip, on the card, I would assume that the word side slip, it's not specifically for the HMP. This is in the actual rules reference. Um, so if you're flying that and you pick up cargo, you can't spend those charges until you drop that cargo. Because it is it is listed in the rules reference as an advanced maneuver, and you cannot perform advanced maneuvers while carrying cargo. Yep. Okay, so it'll be the same thing then. Yep, just like an HMP, but on a Z95. So Fifth Brother cannot take these. uh, Other Kylo cannot take these. I don't know. We could spend hours going into which ones. (laughs) But still, I mean, again. The Marco Steele cannot do it. Um, No, Merrick Steele cannot. Dang. Marco Polo. I'm going to call him Marco Marco Polo. I don't care what you all say. Marco (laughs) Polo. Fair I enough. drove JJ nuts when I called that the whole time. <laughs> and interceptors can't. I'm trying to think of who else can take torpedoes. Well, let's uh, go to Republic jump, now. Jumpmasters can, I believe. So Dengar. But Dengar doesn't have the force that's an auto. Oh, but he's got Greedo, though. So. Yep. So you Yep. Can so every, every one of them can. Oh, my God. Oh, can you imagine Dengar with this? So yep. yeah, there you go. Mm. And it's and it's two charges. So if you shoot at Dengar, so I fire one at you, then you shoot my Dengar triggers and I can fire back. Yeah. I could do this twice and dole out two crits in a single turn. Yuck. But yes. Let's go to the Republic a minute. <laughs> I gotta see. Can Jedi? Can any of the Jedi's take torpedoes, or is it only missiles? I'm guessing no, because I've not seen any. Yep. Okay, so those Jedi's can't. Can the Adas carry torps? Uh, I'm hoping not, but we'll find out in a minute. I know they can carry a cannon, or at least they could. So Aether sprites hey, have Mass, missiles. Morning, even eh, depends on where you feel. I slept in today, so nope. Cannon slots so far. Let's go to Anakin's. Where's my Annie boy? Annie boy, nope. Okay, so Ada's cannot. Thank God. Why <laughs> do Y wings get torn? Dude, dude, handmaidens. Yo, oh, oh my God. 
Padme, that means Padme can, Rick can, Anakin yep, can. Any, any of the Naboo fighters. Mm. Oh, and so I wonder if there's any torrents that can help missile axe. Axe is four points. I did not know that. Tucker. So I'm going to guess none of the torrents. Duck. God, that's that's not good. Um, come on, Grievous. Can Grievous take him? Nope, Grievous is missile. Boo. I wonder if those hyenas can take them. They used to be able to. Nope, missiles. Techno Unibombers can, but they only got six loadout points, so. Uh, infiltrators can. Maul could have that. <laughs> oh my god, hold on. Now we gotta go see what Maul... E H HMPs can run them, too. Yeah, yeah, the, there's two of them in the HMPs that can. Yeah, I know. Oh my god. Uh, doesn't look like torps on the gauntlet, unfortunately. It looks like missiles only on the gauntlet. Good lord. No, that's that's really good. We do not want the gauntlet to be able to run. <laughs> I don't disagree with your sentiment, my friend. <laughs> like, please, pretty please. All right. Either way, so let's get into some Kyber Cup a little bit. What I decided Dude, to on. do. Hold on. Oh, okay. B, B wings can run torps. Yep. All I think all the B wings are going to be able uh, to. No, that's terrible. I hate this already. Ban it. Ban it now. Yeah. Just think about it this way: B wings can run torpedoes, and they have double cannon slots, so they can now run the proton cannons. Oh, let me just double tap you with a torpedo, and then oh, now I'm going to follow it up with a proton oh. cannon shot. Nerf B wings. Can we can we start a campaign to nerf B wings? Is yes. Have okay? you not can, listened can to the online? show for the last three weeks? I have bitched, <laughs> openly bitched over and over and over and over again about B wing. Oh my god, that's disgusting. All right. Anyway, on to the next. All right. Is that the is that the last spoiled? It is the last spoiler, unfortunately. Um, okay. I do think there's going to be. So I will tell you, I believe there's going to be some. So there's going to be some scum pilots that will be either some generics or some limited ones um, that will be coming for Cad Bane ship. Uh, so. The rogue class. I, I, I'm 99% sure because they on the back of the box, it says 11 cards. And I believe we've seen five or six separatists, at least five separatists and only one scum. So that leaves. I can't imagine they're going to give me that many more separatist, you know, pilot. That's stupid if they do that. We, we don't need I don't I don't need another nine pilots to choose from for fuck's sake. So but, I just want to show this on stream real quick because I think it's really cool. It has nothing to do with X-Wing. Well, it kind of does. So when I went and bought uh, the Millennium Falcon Lego set, um, my uh, girlfriend, we stopped at a chocolate shop in Disney Springs mm -hmm. and we found these. Can you see what that is on oh, it's the stream? Millennium Falcon, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's like a chocolate pop that has <laughs> shaped Let like me the Millennium. Switch the uh, screen up a minute, make it bigger. Oh. There you go. Yeah, it's like oh. a chocolate. You, can you even eat all of that without getting sick in one setting? Probably not, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take a couple of bites and then stick it back in the wrapper. There you go. That's what I would do. 
Oh, that's really good chocolate, too. Mm. I think it's time for an Aces High segment. <laughs> an Aces High segment? Really? Oh, 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 yes. Oh. Are not safe for work content. Yes, okay. Yes, I do. <laughs> that, can, that can easily happen. Um. Anyway, let's go. No, let's talk a little bit about Kyber Cup, and then I really want to get into the the scenario because uh, you won, and I haven't um, done one. You together. played against JJ, right? What's that? Yeah, I played against JJ. Who won? Who do you think? Crash man. Not me. It was <laughs> sure as hell not me. JJ, I him. didn't run shitty B wings like he did. Did JJ run? Oh, he ran B. Oh, he's just running no. his Adepticon list. I'm actually hey. running something somewhat different. And I picked a faction that's not made cut really, and I picked the fact and I and I added a gauntlet to it. So, so I'm running um, Bo-Katan and three of the Separatist bombardment drones and two uh, Trade Federation droids. That's what I'm running. And Bo's got Zam, um, and the uh, regular upgrades. JJ's running three B wings, two of them trajectories, and Sabine Ren and the AP five. Carrier. Oh and, yeah, uh, being allowing you to put those tokens on people is just a beast. Yep. And it was yeah. So I I gave myself a twenty percent chance of winning that. So, but it is what it is. My Bo Katan lived. <laughs> you didn't kill Bo, but. I like my my three big ship list. It doesn't like do anything mean, but it swats shit, man, out of the sky. And the amount of time because it's taking advantage of current situation. Because the amount of time that it takes to chew through one of them in a in a game that normally only goes five or six rounds to chew through a gauntlet, a YV triple six, and the Falcon. It takes a considerable amount of time to get through them. And in most of the scenarios, there's no half points. So you spend your entire game trying to get through one of those ships while the other two are cleaning up. It's It's been pretty successful thus far. Yeah, and I, I, I ran your list once and got my ass handed to me, but that was because I was flying against... Uh, by the way, uh, Resistance can now have um, nine health X-Wings, but... That's neither here nor there. It's very hard to chew through a nine health X-Wing when they have two or three of them on the board plus a couple other ships. But anyway, yep. you know, I think it's the same thing when you have when you're flying like and that's why I I don't do well against JJ's list is because between the bombs and the double tapping B-Wings, you could take a droid off the board in two turns. No questions asked. Like right. it's not even a questionable thing. And that's the same same thing with yours. When I played my separatist list against your list. I had a harder time with my separatist list because if one of those droids got caught right out, boom, it's gone. It's dead. It's over with. There's nothing it can do. Um, and and that 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 was a big deterrent, you know, for it. So your yours is a hard counter to um lower health ship count lists, you know, higher oh, yeah. ship count lists. It's a big counter. The problem is, is it does it only does two scenarios one scenario really well and two scenarios decently but well so the thing but on that though yes you're correct that i don't capture objectives you're absolutely right i don't capture objectives well and to to um 
Um, the the ones where you have to carry the objectives, I can only carry three, right? But where it turns around is if you have six ships on the board, they're worth about three points each, right? Two to between three and four points. Yeah. So for one turn that you get three points out of your objectives, I swap one of your ships off the board. I have negated your objective, um, your your objective advantage. So if I get lucky and you take a shot at a ship that has Zam on it, so I take my first shot at one ship and I swat it off and I swat the second one off, right? Hypothetically, I know that dice variants and all the other crap as far as like mods and stuff like that, I get all of that. But in a, in a perfect world scenario, if I can drop two ships in a round, that's, that's six points. Six to eight points, depending yep. on the ships that I kill. Like that is a that is a playing field leveler. Yes. So yeah, you're right. Scenario wise, I'm not great, but for playing X Wing, though the way that I've always played it, which is lots of dice and trying to kill shit, it works amazingly well. Yeah, and again, again, your bigger issue when you run into those larger health count ships that are cheap, like a B Wing. A B-Wing, you're not going to swat off the board unless all three of your ships focus on it. You, right. you aren't going through eight health. That's just not going to happen, you know, even no, Bosk. But, but the other benefit, though, especially, and this is a different scenario, but if you need to be at range two, like one, two of an objective, like, like for instance, and I know you don't have TTS up, but you're looking at TTS. If I put this here, I could just bring it up. <laughs> take 30 seconds. If I, you no, go. you're good. If I take Dengar and I put, like, say I'm flying Dengar through here. Right? Mm -hmm. If I turn, I don't know how to turn on his, is it R1? I have no idea. Look, I am within range one. Of both of these objectives. And so with the large base ship. Here I'm at range of two objectives. Here I'm at range of two objectives. And with my list having the um, the gauntlet in it. I can stop. And God help me if I figure out how to get uh, Jabba into my list. To where I can just park the gauntlet fighter endlessly and just sit. And then you, you've got Bosk that can do the zero stop every other turn if I if I need to. You know what I mean? Like I can park those ships and just let the Falcon fly around. But I can park two large base ships within range one of, of three or four objectives and stop you from taking them because in those objective counts a large base ship counts as three ships. So you have to have more than three ships committed to a single objective in order to take it from me. You know what I mean? So it does balance itself. It just depends on how you adjust and fly. I, you know, I beat JJ, but like realistically, the reason that JJ's list works so well is the minute you know where the objectives are going to be, 
it is extremely easy to trajectory sim a bomb onto somebody because you know where they're going to go. Oh, yeah. And that's why I've argued against against those, per se, right? Like, that's, mm-hmm. to me, it's not the health that really bothers me as much about it. It's more the the fact that I could throw and then use Sabine, you know? And, oh, right. if I could tracture you in the range, I mean, like, and that's what got me when I had to play JJ is, you know, like, I can avoid bombs for only so long. And then at some point, you just can't avoid the bombs anymore. And if I don't take the objectives, he takes them, and then you get screwed. And it's just, like, I can't chew through his health fast enough oh, yeah. to make a difference. <clears throat> so, and and this is, again, I know you have not played since 1.0. B-Wings have been strong. There has never been a point where someone went, oh, B-Wings are weak. Let's, let's just beef those up. No. B-Wings have always been strong especially in scenario style play or even in 1.0 when there were no scenarios, but when there was no half points on small base ships. Like they have a large base ship worth of health on a small base chassis. Like it's just not a thing. Like they take forever to do anything. So, hey, Catherine. Um, But anyway, so yeah, back to Kyber Cup. Sorry, I derailed us there for a second. Oh, you're fine. All right, so what I want to do is we are only two rounds in, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Like, in fairness, it's not worth all of us going through an hour, even a half hour um, worth of stuff, right? But the the idea was is just to kind of look at what is in the top cut, right? You know, right now, if we went to top cut, what's up there? And kind of what's winning? So um, the first one is by Alan. Essentially, it's a rebel list. Um, I will tell you this is definitely a more unique take on that rebel list because you have Wedge and Derek, and then you have Ten Nub, who does not have, and this is where I believe Ten Nub is fine. He does not have his the fact that he does not have his uh throwing a, a bomb makes it so much better. But essentially it's Chewbacca in the YT thirteen hundred, and the key to his list is that Ursa Ren, because everybody gets a fucking lock. And then you have Wedge, yep. Derek, and 10. It's a very, it's a little bit different of a list. I like this list to some extent. Um, and he is right now, he's the, the top player by a little bit. So. I'll bet that auto blasters with FCS is nice too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. The next one is Ray Jones, and he has a Galactic Republic list, and he has the three. Three Jedi, a Contrail, and a Hawk. And he just changes out one of his Jedi for Anakin and the N1 with proton torpedoes of all things, right? Hey. <laughs> just wait till, works, his, wait, wait till he gets his homing missile or homing Yeah, torpedoes. the homing <laughs> torpedoes. Uh, um, so no reason to go super through this, but it's a three Jedi, Contrail, and Hawk list. And Hawk is obviously Barrage Rockets and Ala Sakura. Daniel Lyon is the next one. And he has a one, he has a two Jedi list with Click, Wolf, and Hawk. And Hawk is a little bit different. There's no Ala. Hawk is more, I don't understand 100% how this Hawk works because it has Barrage Rockets, Ghost Company, and Seventh Fleet Gunner. So if you Seventh Fleet Gunner, you're not going to be able to shoot. Um, so it just must be a ver- like the ability to have versatility for it, you know. I don't know, but 
He does have Wolf in there, so again, it is a little bit of a different take, but we do have Jedi with missiles and, um, you know, Click, which is amazing, and Mace. And I, I actually think Mace's with that shattering shot is almost as good as having is almost as good as having a missiled um, Jedi. I don't disagree with you. The next one is somebody named Han two forty eight. I have no idea who this is. Oh, but look, hey, it's another <laughs> Republic list. Um, and it, oh, it has Hawk in it. <laughs> and the only difference is it has Hawk with Seven Fleet Gunner and Ayla this time. So the defensive version of the the list with one, two, three, oh, three Jedi again and Contrail. Hmm. Contrail is two points. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody that's two points is a strong ship to add. Then we have Kyle and Kyle has Major Von Reg, which I'm excited to see. Um, first Midnight. Order? Yeah, First Order. Yep. Midnight is there. And Malaris, Static, and Whirlwind. And I love Whirlwind. I don't care what anybody says. That is my favorite uh, Whisper pilot, hands down. And and so, just in case, just so you know, Charles, the 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 Whirlwind is at the start of your um, when you engage, you get to take focus tokens for everybody in your arc, right? So if you have every enemy ship in your arc, so if you have three enemies in your arc, even if they're behind you, so like if you fly past them and rotate your arc to the back, and you have three of them in your back arc you get three focuses. So you can almost always take a target lock. You can almost always just jam, do whatever you got to do. Um, he doesn't have Gideon in this list, which is different. Um, usually Gideon would be in place of midnight. Um, but so like with whirlwind, what you do is you just take, you get your three, you get two, two to four focus tokens. And then oh. like, you could just advance optics with cluster missiles. So you shoot a three dice missile attack into, into one ship and use your focus token to give yourself a free hit. And oh, you get to shoot a second cluster missile from your butt and do it to the next one. It's it's crazy. Um, so I will say this is a little bit more of a unique list, though. So it sounds like he has a lot of fun with it, though. Which, and again, I've said this since episode one of this podcast. For me personally, I play X Wing because I want to run lists that I find to be fun. Not necessarily because I want to run lists that are going to win. I, I build things that are fun for me. I build things that play to my play style. I don't always win tournaments. I don't. I very rarely place anything higher than three three uh, in a six round. I'm normally middle of the pack, um, but I always have fun and I always play lists that are very scummy and and take advantage of certain situations. So, yeah, I, I will say I have had a lot of fun running first order lately. I should have ran that in the tournament. I ran Seppies instead, but um, I have I'm sure had Catherine is very proud of you. <laughs> I have had um, a better luck with uh, first order lately uh, because of that. Next is Alex Merrill, local from Michigan. Uh, he's running. Oh, three Jedi Hawk and Contrail. Yay! <gasps> surprise, surprise. Um, and and I he is running the defensive Hawk too. And actually, we've played him and I played against each other at our local a couple times. And uh, he loves this Hawk with seven fleet. He loves the seven fleet gunner. That's like his. And he he actually uses Plocoon's ability for Plocoon's ability. Like he uh, like every oh, time to pull the toe to move tokens around. Yeah, 
Yep, because and he did this to me when um he pulled the seven fleet gunner disarm token when Plo didn't have a shot at anyone or have anywhere of a decent shot, you know, mm-hmm. and he pulled <clears throat> and then oh there's Hawk sitting there going hey, I get a shot now, <laughs> so um yeah they're gonna have to do something to this lat they it's gonna have to they, that lat with those effing rerolls that it gives is so amazingly good. I will say this. I don't think they need to do anything with the lat. The lat has existed for as long as 2.0. And it's just now experiencing kind of like its renaissance and its resurgence. No one has run it. It gives It's very strong right now until someone figures out a counter for it. But as it stands, I don't think it needs to be changed because it hasn't been changed in quite some time. I don't know if there was like a points decrease on them because nobody was playing them. Um, but whatever the case may be, I'm actually happy to to see something other than just Jedi. You know what I mean? Being played on the Republic but, side of the table. Sure, but the only but you don't play a hawk unless you're running Jedi. So you you very you are not going to see. So far, we have not you seen play a Republic hawk. unless you're running a Jedi. <laughs> don't like how many Republic lists do you see that don't have a Jedi in them? Okay, I ran well. I had one that had only one Jedi, and it was only because it was a three point Jedi. But it really wasn't because it was a Jedi, though. I didn't run it because it was a Jedi, though. I ran it because it was a three-point missile carrier. Well, that I mean, could take a set of reason that I run, uh, I run Ahsoka in my scum lists because she's the cheapest force carrier that I can. It has <laughs> nothing to do with her ability whatsoever. Yeah, her ability it's nice yeah. to have that force, though. I, I, I disagree with you. I think that Hawk needs... There's, the ability to give those re-rolls like that consistently is pretty it 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 talks of how runner but not having to worry about the um how runner piece and maybe and maybe you're right maybe if they nerf jedi right and we adjust points on jedi then that hawk won't be as powerful yeah either that or you just dive in on hawk a lot is not a dodgy ship yeah but you're spending all of your resources to kill a what 10 health ship 8 10 health ship yeah five point ship yeah, it's it's not as easy as it as it looks either. Oh, I know. I fly a list that's <clears> nothing but above ten health point or ten health ships for a reason. Yeah. All right, and the next one is Andrew Oler, and oh, it's uh, two Jedi, Jedi. Contrail, three Jedi, and Hawk again. Yeah. I do like he has Yoda though. I will say that just as an FYI, I think that's amazing. I like seeing Yoda. Two Adas, isn't he? Hmm. He runs two Adas. He runs Obi Wan and and Yoda in the Ada. No, Ob- Yoda's on the Hawk as a crew card. Oh, oh, gotcha. Okay, I thought you meant Obi-Wan, or um, I'm sorry, Yoda pilot. No, no, no. No, he's got... I tried that. That yeah, didn't work did. out so well. No, <laughs> he's better as a crew carry. <laughs> <laughs> no. But he's got Obi and Plo and Barris, three Jedis. One of them is in an Ada, but that's the... This is your crit bot, Obi. Oh, yeah. So Auto blaster Ada, yep. All right, the last one we have is Bruno, who is running, oh, another Republic list with one, two, three, four Jedi this time, and Contrail. So if we now don't know what is good. On the lab. Yeah, I'm thinking Republic's good. But I mean, to be fair, we're, we're going back to what I said. The, the factions that have the easiest ship count lists to where you can have four or five ship count points on the board are going to be the stronger factions. 
And I think I think the difference here with what we want and, and, and this the reason I brought it up and I don't want to spend a long a long time on it. But the reason I had brought this up to kind of go back through this again was just to show, hey, where we start looking at what's make, what's winning, what's easier to win in some of the scenarios that we've had. We're getting this piece of it, right? We're getting Republic, but we're not getting Republic. We're getting Jedi, Jedi and Hawks. That's what we're getting. And, and I don't care about Contrail, right? Let's I'll 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 be I'll I'll, I'll forego con the Contrail discussion for the pure fact of we got to have a two point ship. I would like them to change it. Hoping these Z95s that they released. Um, like how about this? Give me that Z95 that is a side slip Z95 for two points. I'm. I would be excited by that. Um, yeah. I don't even I need like a loadout points I mean, on it. To be fair, I'd like to see a lot of that. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everything needs to have a two point list or a two point ship, but like, I'd like a two point M3A. Oh yeah, I'd like a two point Scum Z95. How about this? You would like a three point M3A at this current time? We don't Jesus even have that. Christ. Yeah, no. It's the. Can I get? It, can I get a three point Fang? That'd be wonderful. Because right now the I one, the I four, and I, I think it's the I one, the I three, and the the lowest named initiative are all the same points. Yeah. So we know that they didn't balance them really well. We know that that's a thing. So that's what we're hoping. They, the rumor is is we're going to get a points update uh, the last week. Uh, so not this week, but next week we're going to get a points update. Um, the weird thing is so. We're going to that that episode is my birthday celebration weekend, right? So that Sunday, there will not be a sober Chris in the house at all. <laughs> Fair I'll enough. Or warn you, and I will be ranting and raving about the points changes. But I'm going to be relying on you and JJ to help me go through those points changes because we're, we're doing all these scenario discussions, right? And these point changes are going to be a reflection on what we talk about, right? What we've we streamed about because next week is chance engagement that we're going to be talking about next and, week is 2.0 <laughs> <laughs> but that's good though right like i pure x-wing yeah and so anyway so next week that's the objective we're going to cover this week we're going to be covering scramble the transmission that's what we wanted to talk about that's kind of where we wanted to go with this and we wanted to continue our academy 101 series That being said, we have a little bit of a board setup, kind of like what we normally do. Um, our Academy 101 series is essentially us going through and diving different scenarios, different thought processes, kind of what we feel the different objectives could be for taking that scenario. So tonight we're going to be talking about scramble the transmissions. We're going to be looking at wind conditions. We're going to be looking at what type of lists work best with this. We're going to talk about when do you want to pivot? for that wing can for a different type of wing condition and we're going to talking about objective placement scenario objective placement and opening engagement tactics but to begin with i thought what we could do is why don't we read shall we read maybe maybe we should read the current scenario charles and kind of sure. go from there is that, that fair so, yeah i'm in um so we are doing scramble the transmissions which if you are following along at home is the last scenario before you get to the the token page if you will 
Um, so with our setup here, it's just like most of the, ooh, is that maker's mark? Sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> I got distracted. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's just like any of the other scenarios. You have your obstacles uh, and five satellites or objectives, if you will. Um, you determine your player order. Placing the objectives works exactly the same as it does uh, in the other uh, scenarios. So at the start, you're going to place one satellite directly in the center, which thanks to everybody at my local who taught me the fastest way to do that at the beginning of the game, which is folding the quarters of your mat in onto each other, and they all meet at the center, which is a fantastic way to do it. It's a lot faster than trying to measure everything. So big up for the real players. Uh, real players is in like real life, not that there are fake players. Anyway. Um, wait, wait, wait. Are they Russians too? <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's keep going. Uh, Let's not do that. Um, so then starting with the first player, take turns placing the remaining four satellites at range three of the satellite and beyond range two of the other satellites. Uh, the first satellite placed by each player must be placed at range two to four of their board edge. And the second satellite must be uh, placed by each player between two and four of their opponent's board edge. So you have to be at range three of the center of the board. Um, and it has to be range two to four on your side and then range two to four on your opponent's side. Uh, I really, really do enjoy this setup because it, it, it prevents you from like hoarding the objectives because you're forced to put one on your opponent's side of the board as well as one on yours. Uh, so it kind of levels that out. Uh, once all five satellites have been placed, uh, players place their obstacles as described in the standard rule reference, um, and obstacles cannot be overlapping a satellite. Uh, at the start of the game, each player earns mission points equal to their opponent's deficit. Nothing changes there. Uh, at the start of the end phase, each player earns one mission point for each satellite they control. Uh, a player whose marker is on each satellite controls that objective. Uh, when a ship is destroyed or removed from the game, the opponent earns mission points equal to the squad point value of that ship. Um, this is something that has been very clutch uh, with my list, at least, um, just because of the fact that if I can kill your ship before you count objective points, it really can tilt that game. Um, so at the start of the end phase, if only one player has ships remaining, they win. Uh, at the start of the end plays, if one player has 50 mission, uh, 50 or more mission points and has more mission points than their opponent, you win. Uh, at the end of the 12th round, the game ends. And at the end of the game, if both players have at least one ship remaining in the play area, the player with the most mission points wins. Uh, scenario rules. Uh, so scenario features are objects but cannot be moved, attacked, damaged, locked, etc. So the satellite is a scenario feature. Um, you spend an action to capture the, uh, or excuse me, to scramble uh, the transmission. A ship can perform a scenario action only during its perform action step. So there's no... Um, you can't... You can't coordinate. You can't a, coordinate. You can coordinate a regular action, but you can't coordinate a scenario action. Nope. Um, therefore, a ship cannot perform a scenario action if it's granted an action at any other time. 
Uh, when a ship performs a scramble action, choose a satellite at range 0-1 and place one of your markers on it. If the chosen satellite has a, an opposing player's marker on it, roll an attack die on a hit, crit, or focus result. You replace the marker with your own. On a blank result, you just set it back to neutral. Um, if there is no satellite in range, then the action fails. Um, while a satellite is marked with a player's marker, that player controls the satellite. So essentially, you fly up to range 0-1 of a satellite, spend your action. If it's unclaimed, it becomes yours. If it's claimed, you have a 1 in 8 chance, right? Is it 1 and Basically, blank? you get it. Or 2 in, two in 8 chance. Yeah. Don't say that. Don't, don't do that because you tempt the dice gods. I have rolled more blanks trying to take a satellite from somebody else, hoping that this would win the game for me and just have it just drop to neutral condition. So I would love to say that, yes, basically you're right, you get it. But I think there's a one in four chance, which is two out of eight sides on the die that are blank. Um, so there's still a 25% chance that you screw it up. Yep. But on the opposite side, the other thing that you're doing, though, um, is you're giving them you you are taking that point away from them at least so you're yes. right there is more than one time i scrambled a transmission against jj and uh rolled a blank and um but at least it took one point away and made my suffering last <laughs> next year five minutes five to ten minutes longer um <laughs> And yes, ban trajectory simulator, period. I just say ban the damn thing. That's what I say. All right. So that's kind of the scenario. Um, so we have a board set up here. So there's a lot of different things to talk about with this, right? You know, so where do you want to place your objectives? What types of lists do you want to run? Where do you want to place your obstacles? And yes, I kind of preset some things up. And yes, none of the ships really match, but they're there just for pretty being pretty sake, right? Um so the idea with this one, and, and this will kind of depend a little bit on your list, but when we talk a little bit about, you know, where do we want, where do we want to put, you know, lists, you know, like, what do you want for your list, you know, to run, where do you want to place your objectives, depending on whether your first or second player will kind of depend on it, right? So obviously you have your center objective here, you know, no big deal. That's always in the center. If you are the first person playing, you have to decide, hey, do I want to keep my my token away from the rest of them or do i want to put it closer to them right so in this instance here these two are placed closer together um whereas these are a little bit farther apart so you have to kind of talk through you know on your world like thinking hmm where where is the best piece so for example with the soon tier fell and let's say you're flying against bigger base ships so let's say you are going against this crappy mist hunter that nobody will ever fly unless they no. make them million times better um four Lom is a good mist hunter pilot but no they're terrible ships so here you have you know soon tear fell saying i'm an i6 i could take this scenario then i can zoom past everybody and take this objective right so in your world with soon tear fell if you're first player you could place yours relatively close to the back end of it or again like over here but if you want to prevent your opponent from being able to put theirs towards the center, you would then move your list right here, your objective, closer here. So if you're first player, you're like, I'm going to put mine closer because I know Soon Tear Fell is going to be able to. 
And that way, if my opponent chooses this side of the board to start placing his, his with, right, he's going to have to place it towards the back. Now, excuse me. Bless you. Excuse me. And Sorry. again. Um, now, if you don't have a fast ship, you probably don't want to do this. But if you do have a faster ship, if I, and you know you're going to place your ship on this side of the board, the idea would be that putting it here forces your opponent to put it back towards the end of their their area, right? So if your soon here fell, and you're like, hmm, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to take it, and I can run away, or I'm going to take it, and I'm going to boost past. And I got a sensitive controls soon here fell, so I'm going to be able to do my shenanigans, which we all know what those are, and then I'm going to be able to boost and then fly it past you on top of that. And then take this objective in two turns. I've just take, I've had the probability of taking those two objectives. Now I have left this area open for you to come in and take, but putting your objectives with a fast ship to force the opponent to put his out of place. By the time this miss hunter gets around to actually come back to this objective, it's never going to happen. Not in a five oh, round sure. game. Never. Um. Now, on the opposite side of the fat fact right if you are not running a bunch of fast ships but your opponent is you would want all of them placed as close to center as possible and, and and hear me out i say that because you can still come in be at range three and unless your opponent comes in range five and then has a million ships on you you can still be far enough back that you're gonna take that they're gonna be taking pot shots, if any shots, and you can still take your objective. But then it leaves it closer to that center so that you guys fight over it. And then sure. the idea becomes, right, is if you let's say you have two ships. So let's, I don't know, let's take let's take two ships. Um I'm gonna take Shara Bay and throw her here. Right. And I'm gonna take my Miss Hunter. If this objective is closer to center, right? And you come in, you take your objective, you take this objective, then you can fly past here and take this objective for your next round. Same thing with Shara Bay, her being able to kind of come in, do her little angled maneuver. And I can't seem to pick her up. <laughs> so she can then do the same thing, kind of do a bank out and take that. But the idea has to be if you are doing this that way, if your opponent is like, well, screw it at this point, we're going to, we're going to aggressively, like, I'm going to try to go in. If you roll second player. If you have second player, thank you, uh, rocker cracker for the raid. If you have second player and, and your the opponent comes in and takes those objectives, you can make a decision. Do I want to take these objectives here? Or do I actually just want to, um, or do I actually just want to um, attack and kill things? You now get that ability when those those objectives are closer. So, so Charles, in your world, in your in your thoughts, like like how do you see placing these different types of objectives? You have different thoughts, different opinions. So, so for me, and I just want to point out that as we talk about this. For 2.5 on the physical tip, I have only flown one list. It's three large base ships. So normally what I try to do, because of the way that you are forced 
to lay out the objectives, right? In order to be in line with how they want you to set them up. I normally will set up, um, if I have, and I'm just going to take Dengar and I'm going to copy him. Okay. <laughs> Fair just enough. so that I can get three. Yep. So I normally, if let's pretend this is the Falcon. I normally set the Falcon out here. I will set one up for center board control. And then I, that's normally um, the gauntlet fighter. And then depending on where my opponent has placed his or her ships, I set Bosk up to either run center down this lane here, which is normally open, or to run exterior. And I bring in here to try and take, because with the gauntlet, I can do a four straight, right? Which is a pretty big maneuver with a big base ship. Yep. <laughs> and I can get to about here or so i will use bosk to try and bounce out to grab something out here but i can do a one or two straight with the falcon to get within range one of this but then the next turn i can do a three straight a four straight or even a three bank to start curving around to get this so i use the falcon to kind of skirt the outside and then I use Bosk, and in this case, it was, um, my brain is not functioning. You had uh, Rook, Bosk, and Lando. Yeah, Rook, Rook, thank you. And I use Rook because if you decide to shoot past Rook, Rook has front back arc. I can still shoot you. And the Falcon has left right arc, so I can still shoot. And Bosk having the 180 out the front, Bosk is my only concern because if you get behind him, he just crashes. He just he just burns. But with the other two ships, because of the I, being able to rotate front back or left right and being able to cover front back on the other, uh, it does give you an insane ability to just control where the objectives are because your opponent is so busy trying to arc dodge that, you know what I mean? The only downside, though, is that doing that red zero stop uh, only works if you have the uh, contraband, the contraband cybernetics. And I'm trying to work on a way that I can fit uh, Java into that list because you can run Java on the Falcon. Uh, you can fit Java into um, Bosk. Um, and if you work in the um, the upgrade that removes the bombs in place of like an extra cargo or an extra crew slot, um, you can run it on Rook itself. Um, so being able to run Java on any of those three ships, and if you can keep them close enough, you can restack that contraband so many times that you can just park on an objective and dare someone to fly in with that gauntlet. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about obstacle placement. Um, and, and in this one, really the idea is, is maybe blocking off lanes, right? You don't want somebody to be able to come in and take this objective, right? And then be able to fly right into this objective very easily, unless you could set up a kill box. So in this instance, you're going to be wanting to be more advantageous to put your, to put something here to kind of try to prevent them from being able to do that. Right. 
And and, yep. and that that's the big thing is how can you prevent them from being able to go side to side on the board? That's really the big thing. With here, I'm not gonna be able to take I could take this objective and I unless I start on a big angle, which then telegraphs my moves, I could come in here with Shara Bay right on that angle, boom, take this objective, then I can shoot all the way into here but i'm probably not going to be able to get that center objective unless i have a lane so when you are thinking about putting your objectives down you want to the lanes you want to create towards the center forces them to go in an angle so it forces you to know where they're going to be because if they tell like yep. in with charles for example with charles's list if that's telegraphed and they put shara bay on an angle and you see that they're going to come take this and then they have a probability of coming in here to take this one I mean, Charles only needs his five, sh or th five shifts, his three shit he wishes, his three shifts up. God, give me five big bases. Nope. No, 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 oh. no, no, no. How about this? Even if you could get a Hav and a Drew in there, that's still too much with all those shifts. Anyway, um, I'm just saying is if with Charles lining his stuff up here, even with his Falcon on this side coming up like this, it, it's inconsequential, folks, because he's going to be able to still just rotate his arc and shoot you like, like, so yeah, if you come in here with Shara Bay and you then decide instead of taking this easy center lane, you're going to kind of churn in and you're going to kind of come boom, you know, to the, you're going to go to your right to try to take this. He's, he's just sitting here. He's either going to fly past you like this, or he's going to fly right in front of you and rotate his arc. And he, he's got you and he's still getting his shots. So, like with Charles's list, who just wants to murder things, that's what Charles is trying to do. But facts. Either which way, no matter which way you want, when you're placing obstacles with this specific objective, because you have to take an action to take this objective, you will a hundred percent want to shut down lanes that are hard to maneuver against. And another example would be is again, uh, I should put my mouse on this annoying for the record you can fit four jump masters on a list all right i want to see you go on nickel city stream this week and fly that look i mean that's namlam manaru right, right. and a contracted scout that is 20 flat points all right with we're gonna do decent it. upgrades for both i'm i'm in i'll figure if, out how to ma I'll it, manage that if we have time at the end of this episode i want to get through this but if we have time we're going to build it otherwise next week charles that'll be our 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 fun segment for the week I we're building in. we're building that list seriously build it don't like no no ram, I don't. don't ram 100%. a pineapple in my in my anal cavity but like no, no, no. build it seriously yes we're gonna 100 build that like i will run that on nickel city then there you go yeah i'll do it if you don't so. no i look we can both give it a shot and try and point i i think i actually have four jump masters so that'll be good i do not i have two okay i can thank john for that john sent me a couple that he had <laughs> like test painted uh, and didn't like the way it turned out. So I just have extras. <laughs> All right. So anyway, back to the scenario piece of it. Sorry. So <laughs> if, no, you're, you're fine. So if you're the opponent going against somebody that you know is going to take up the majority of the board, do you want to put your obstacles here to start opening a lane? So if I'm right here and I see my opponent put an obstacle here in front of the objective on my side, instead of my first obstacle being in the center of his, I'm going to go ahead and try to block off this lane here so that he can't get this objective and then fly in very easily. 
And I know this is kind of rough placement and I know you would, people would do a better job if, if they were doing it for real. Right. Oh, sure. Sure. But this is roughly where I would put it so that it forces them. Oops. Not right there. Back it up a little bit. I think that's the song. So it forces them to make a decision when they come in here, come in here on a slight angle and telegraph my move <coughs> or not. And even if I'm Charles, especially if they put a debris here, I don't care. It's inconsequential to some extent um, for me when when it when it is like that, right? Like I'll fly through anything if I have to. And if I'm a large base, I'm less scared of flying through obstacles now than I ever used to be. So you can ask JJ. It didn't benefit my stupid book. It's hand a couple of times, <laughs> but I'm less scared. Well, um, but okay. So Chris, and, and so let's, let's give yourself a little bit of grace here, man. You are not used to big base ships. It is a completely different world when you're used to flying droids or HMPs or anything that's medium base or smaller. Flying a large base ship requires a different kind of finesse. It requires a different mindset to be able to, to look at that. Whereas with your droids, like a small base ship fits into places where a big base ship has to be careful. So don't, don't, don't count yourself out. It just takes a lot of practice to, to get used to flying a ship that's a two-by-two two instead of a one-by-one. One. Yeah, and that's fair. So... All right, so now let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit now about types of lists that are successful. So the verse archetype, and again, we don't we're not gonna so just so you know, Charles, we don't we're not gonna get into specifics for the list. What we're gonna do is kind of rank a style of list. Sure. And then what we do from there is we're gonna have a breakdown episode once they release the new points and talk about if those list styles still fit with current list points. But the idea was, is we didn't want to go, well, I want to take four B wings or three B wings and two shitty other rebel ships and call that archetype and then say, you know, like that's going to be what's going to win. Right. Because if they go up in points, it just ruins it. So we talk about beef lists. We talk about, um, you know, kind of middle of the road lists, all encompassing large ship, kill everything list, that type of a thing. So, right. Um, in this scenario, and, and I'll start and then I'll then you can kind of come in to me. One of the big things we have here, right, is that ships that have soft mods are king in this in this list. And it does oh, yeah. not matter your archetype like you could be the high flying aces list with a bunch of agility and a bunch of force. It does not matter. You could also be. Charles's list who gets soft mods through Zam. Because <laughs> by the way, Zam is insane in this meta. I don't Zam, I hope Zam does not go up in points because I'm very worried about that. But anyway, Zam is great in this meta. And like even against JJ, I was able to use Zam on every churn but one. Every churn but one to either get target locks. Or to recharge Zam. And you want to know the best part about Zam is? You can fly it out. They're going to go, you're a big base ship. We're not going to shoot you. Well, guess what the bottom of that card says? Oh. Yeah, if I choose the right card, I still get a shot if you choose not yeah. to shoot it. And if I choose the right card and you don't shoot at me, I get to recharge two charge tokens. It's a gamble. But I will yep. tell you that gamble has paid off 75% of the time for me. Not that it's changed my games, but 
it's still paid off. Like it still works. <laughs> um, you know, and I will say another another ship, and and again, I've mentioned this. I love the gauntlet, but Rook being able to choose to take the um, not the deplete, the other the strain token in order to have a passive mod, in order to have that mod that allows my dice to switch. Uh, again, it's one of those things where Lando having the ability to re-roll dice if he's unstressed, Rook being able to roll a full string if she has a focus or a force, because I have Ahsoka on her, or not Ahsoka, but I'm running a force carrier. So I have force as a, a, a native mod, and then I have the ability to take a strain, which allows me to change a second die. So more often than not, I'm rolling one hit, one blank or focus, and then one blank or you know hit or focus on the third die. With the force point, I can change one, and the strain allows me to change a blank or a focus. I'm rolling three dice, and I didn't spend a single action on any sort of, of mod. I can spend actions to try and scramble the transmissions. I can spend actions on the other ones to try and, you know, pick up the cargo to do whatever. So having like, again, Lando has the built-in reroll if he's not stressed. Uh, Rook has built-in passive mods. Bosk, don't even get me started. Bosk yep. is just stupid with Greedo and Zam on him. Like just being able to rock as many passive mods and auto crits as I can. And being able to spend, you know, especially with uh, Gamut Key on Bosk, being able to hold circular tokens and, you know, do all this. It's just the the number, like you said, passive mods are king in the current meta because I'm free to spend my actions to change things on the board versus mm -hmm. having to balance whether I change something or I take a mod. Yep. So in this scenario, the first, the first piece that, that we talk about right is is the passive mods. So no matter what list you have, anything that has passive mods is a hundred percent going to be like ahead of it. So now we talk about these other types of lists that that kind of kind of fit into them. Um, in this case, I think really one of the better lists for us is the higher a uh, higher ship count list and a high agility type list, right? So a higher ship count list has the ability to go take one of those satellites and run away and take another one and take another one. Because we haven't talked about the wing condition, right, specifically for this, but the wing condition, the bigger wing condition for this is not as much killing the ships. And this one is it as it is being able to take and scramble the transmissions from your opponent because it will keep the ability. If, if your opponent does the same thing you're doing and just goes after objective points right is going to keep the objective points down from each side and then you're kind of at a neutral standstill per se right and then mm -hmm. it comes down to maneuvering in charles's case and I, I don't mean to pick on charles but in charles's no, you're case, good, man. Bring it. things charles can take his satellites but charles can't turn around very quick so if charles plays against a list that has let's say five fast moving republic ships and we'll just say no hawk but four Jedi's contrail because you can fit that they could fly past for example Bosk and you know how long it's going to take Boss to turn around two turns at minimum it, 
Yeah, that's minimum. a that's a that's two three hards and hope to God there's no object or there's no obstacles in the way of either of those. Yep. And if boss goes to the other side of the board to take the objectives, now boss is putting himself so far out, it's a seven point paperweight at that point. Right? Yeah, yep. sure. You can't kill him and get seven points, but really the win condition for this scenario specifically is being able to take objective points and not die. So a high agility medium count shipless to to a medium agility high count shipless will take the hands down and win mm -hmm. they, they just will charles's list i guarantee struggles in this format against anything that has a lot more ability to maneuver than he can even his han only kind of come or his lando can only kind of come back around like lando could do it but it takes a little bit longer and he's not getting as aggressive with shots. Even if he puts trick shot and everything on him and just maxes him out, he still yeah. struggles to take your shift off the board when you run away. And being I mean, able the to only thing, the only, the only benefits that I have against maneuverability are the Falcon having the sloop and the rotatable arc um, and having the, uh, the ability to do the 90 or the 180 degree turn um with the gauntlet like you said with bosk if people get behind him he is a paperweight so bosk has to slow roll or find a way to come in on the side of the board and then slow roll at that point to try and keep as many ships in arc because even at range three bosk with greedo is still an is, is going to be a guaranteed crit almost every time yeah. now whether it gets through or not is a different story but if it does get through at range two or range three that hurts because that crit then becomes two hits and that that damage can add up but yes you're right it takes forever to turn around uh it takes even longer to get past that and there's just a whole bunch of nastiness when you're dealing with multiple ships like i've played against people where they pick up their the satellites and then because they don't have to worry about it anymore they bring all of them to bear and you get four ships, five ships pointed at a big base at range one, you're going to melt that big base just because there's no agility. Yep. Now, luckily with uh, the gauntlet, I get two dice as opposed to the one that I get with Bosk or the Falcon. Um, but still, it, it hurts. If they, if they focus fire on a large base ship, they, they die very quickly but they've wasted an entire round of combat. So if you can't balance the ship count very quickly, this gets out of hand very yeah. fast. And that's why in this scenario, anything with soft mods, king, secondary king becomes anything that can move fast, has a decent amount of agility, and can fly past most other lists. And, and again, if you have two lists that are both high agility, fast moving, and they face off against each other, they can essentially go take objectives and run away, and and, and there's there could be almost no freaking engagement for the the scenario, which we all know that AMG claims that's not what they want, but that's like this specific scenario. That's what it feels like. And oh sure. I actually this is the scenario I hate the most out of all of them. Like in terms of playability, this is the easiest one for me to play, but it is the one I hate the most. Um, for all of the lists. I do not like this scenario really that much compared to the other ones. And it's just been the more I play. But 
anyway, so let's let's kind of go back. Let's let's go back. So JJ kind of gave us a couple of examples where he said um, any lists that have coordinating abilities, he feels are kind of king. Um, passive mods, he agreed with us. And then he says anything with higher initiative ships. And he said that because with the higher initiative ships, and for example, we could talk about a Jedi that is an I-5 and has a missile slot and can put instinctive aim and um, missiles on, can fly in. You, you, you fly in, take your objective. The Jedi flies around you, takes the objective for his action, uses his force to instinctive aim and shoot you with a concussion missile or a cluster missile or whatever the hell these bloody Jedi can carry nowadays. And mm-hmm. now that Jedi has the passive mod, has the ability to shoot a missile at you, and then on top of that, took your objective away from you. So now not only did you just waste your actions taking an objective, you don't have mods to defend yourself. Yeah. Um, so that was JJ's theory on 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 lists that work. Um, and I can't disagree with any of that. I mean, that's all, and that's why Jedi are so strong right now is they can still reposition. God, Ahsoka in this meta is ridiculous just because of the fact that she can three actions around and one of those actions can be to take an objective and she still gets a reposition and another action beyond that. Yes. Yes, Ahsoka is really good, actually. Um, now, let's talk about a little bit. We we let's talk. We talked a little bit about the win condition. I, and, and I guess I'll ask Charles. My opinion, win condition is... 99% objective play. It's 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 not in this scenario, not every scenario, but in this scenario, objective play will win you the game faster than killing ships, period. And 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 I almost say that that is the must win condition for this list unless you have like a high alpha strike list. If you have a high alpha strike list that can like take two or three ships out, you don't need as many objectives. You can just go kill things. But again, we go back to Charles's three ship. Even if he had four ship scenario list, his ability to kill things, he's not going to be able to kill things that are fast enough to get away from him. He probably could nope. kill stupid droids. You know, that's probably what he's good. He likes doing well, that too. So the first time that I flew my list, I flew against John. John flew, I think it was like five or six interceptors, if, if memory serves. And essentially what happened is first round, I took two uh, objectives. He took three, right? That gives him a one point buff. But then during combat, I was able to kill one of the interceptors. Well, that gives me three points. I've leveled his three that he had. The next round, he flew in and took one of mine, but I flew over and took one of his. We went into combat. I was able to kill another interceptor. So now we've gone from a five on three to a three on three. Now, yes, he's gained one point over me each round because he's had three objectives to my two. But he's also down two ships. So while he has only scored six points the entire game, I have scored the six points for killing the two ships plus four points for two objectives each round. But I... So, so I'm, while John is at six, I'm now at ten. So I would say that that sure. But if you were to face off against a Jedi list, I guarantee you would get decimated. Like that Jedi is not going to pop like an interceptor is going to pop. And I mean, that Jedi is going to fly past again, you and take it. I I'm willing to try it. My list has been pretty successful overall, 
just because of the amount of forget the the amount of ass that you got to chew through to get one of my ships off the board. You know what I mean? So they're always there. If I've only got to deal three damage and I have three ships that are rolling three to four dice, depending on your distance to me and where you're at on the board, that is the potential for nine to 12 damage being thrown at you that you have to hope your dice allows you to dodge or I'm taking something off the board. And unless you're going to win in three rounds, which is not possible, I think the fastest win you can get is four rounds. Right, that's 5, 10, 15. Yeah, four to five rounds is going to be your average on this if I can level that ship count. And that's the hard part. And I'm not going to say that I can always just decimate Jedi. I can't. But if I can get a good swat on a Jedi and I can hurt it so that it starts to run and starts to worry less about the objectives and more about its survival, yeah, I don't get the points, but it's not playing the game anymore. Sure. You know what I mean? So that's 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 my list. That's how I play my list. My list is very knife fighty. Yep. I so, don't care about the objectives. My list I, is designed right. to punch you as hard as I can. What I'm saying is for the overall scenario, objective points are what's king 90% of the time. So no, no, your you're, list is and I don't disagree okay. I don't disagree with you at all. Objective points in this scenario because you don't have to guard anything. Right? It's it's not a matter of, "Oh, I'm I'm next to it, so I get it." Or uh, I pick up the cargo and take it with me, right? In this, I just change it and then I fly away. And if you come get it, I'll just turn around and come back to it. So in this, objective points are a lot easier to get. Uh, and yes, they they tend to be the uh, the deciding factor in this scenario. I agree. All right. So as we as we go towards wrapping this up one of the big things that we look at is when do we pivot, right? Like, is there a pivotal moment in time where you go, well, I got to switch my, my, my mode of playing. So JJ sent me a message and said that he believes that if there is a higher costed enemy ship, that you have the probability of taking off the board that round. Now that's not saying if it outmaneuvers you, if it has a probability of outmaneuvering you, don't invest in killing that ship. But if if you know that that six points or five point even ship is going to be there and you know you could take it off the round, when you pivot, if you're losing, when you pivot, is to say, okay, I know I'm not going to take this objective back from my opponent because my goal is to focus on killing Von Reg or killing Bosk, right? If I can 4K and get behind a half-health Bosk, with three ships, I'm probably going to do that over taking objective points and letting boss get a shot at me. And that's still yep. a hard feat to do, right? <laughs> you know, like how many yeah. people are going to get behind boss, but it does happen. So I'm just saying is, so one of JJ's points was if you, if you, if you feel that you have a higher probability of taking a ship off the board, that is a higher costed enemy ship. Do not take your objective point, run, not run away, run behind them, run and engage them, go after them. He also says that if you are behind, but you have the similar amount of ship points, consider taking the isolated objectives away from your opponents versus the ones close to more ships. So in this scenario here, we have all these ships around this objective. If Grievous is over here on the far right side, on the very far end of your thing, instead of having Grievous come and attack 
come in and attack, let's say this guy, right? Where he would normally come in and try to go after the Mandalorian, have Grievous come through here and take the objective point. And I don't know how to rotate them. I don't know what, I can't see my buttons to rotate them. But however you rotate Grievous so he gets a shot on the Mandalorian here, he would then be able to take the objective point and then rely on his passive mods to go after, there you go, thank you, to go after this Mandalorian ship here, who's going to probably take this Ezra off the board this turn because that's what Mando does. Um, anyway, but that that's what JJ is saying is if you have similar ship counts, go after the objective points that are more isolated because there's no other ships over here that's going to come back and take that specific objective. So take it and then force your opponent to come back to this objective to take it away from you. He also says that um, isolating enemy ships that have spent actions on taking the objectives is, is that's what you do. That's who you go after. So in my scenario, for example, when I, I was flying two droids next to each other, a bomber and a trade Federation drone, the bomber, because I had independent calculates, I couldn't share my calculate. The bomber comes in, takes the independent calculates. The droid comes in, takes the objective. Then he has to make a decision. Do you go after the, the five health, two calculated ship, or do you go after the three health, um, basically dead in the water ship? And that's the idea. When you're behind, you can then avoid taking an objective to take your mod and go after that specific ship. Mm hmm in your world, Charles, and anything you see as a pivotal moment, something that you feel would be um, when you would want to change your play style. Um, so I'm going to start by saying that I am an outlier uh, in my thought processes. Because for me, no. There is, there is never a point. I'll be honest, I don't play scenario play the way it should be played. I use them as a way to get a couple of early points, right? Like I'll go for the center if I can. I go for the two that are on my side of the board and I try to take at least two. If I can get a third, great. Um, but beyond that opening one to two turns where you're, you know, in original old school X-Wing 2.0, pre-scenario X-Wing, whatever you want to call it, um, that was just, you know, kind of moving in to try and find the engagement that you want and, you know, wasting 15 to 20 minutes um, is one of those things where I just, I take the points, but I'm, my goal is to destroy your ships. Always, 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 always. There's very rarely that I'm like, oh, I have to get these. I don't start going for objectives until I have you on your heels and I can take them because you're busy running. Right. If you have to choose between facing my ship to take an objective or surviving, I'm winning. Because if you face my ship to take an objective, I'm going to make you regret it. Period. End of story. If you run, if you joust Bosk, God help you if you get in my marks, if you get in my bullseye arc. Because that's two crits. One's going through, the other's getting dropped down to two hits, right? That's a potential of five damage in a round. That will cripple most small-based high-agility ships. Beyond that, with, with Rook, I'm rolling three every round, maybe four if I'm lucky. And with Han, if you're dumb enough to stay... Or not Han, Lando. If you're dumb enough to stay stressed, 
I get an extra die. Now I'm rolling three more. You know what I mean? I'm going to make something hurt. I'm going to make you choose the objective or teeth. So if I can keep you away from those objectives and chip away at your ships, then I win. And and more often than not, that list has been successful. There have been a few lists that have that have flown around it. Um, most of the wins have been people that have done exactly what you said. They try to do the 4K and get around Bosk and take Bosk off the board. Because without that teeth, my list struggles to put the damage out as high as I need it to. Um, but overall, no, there's not a pivot point for me. But again, I am an outlier in this situation. I don't pay attention to pivot points and board state. I want to point my front arc at a ship and I want to roll dice to try and destroy your ship. If I can do that, I win. If you have five ships and I kill four of them, that's four points a ship. That's 16. I know I've scored at least four objective points during the game. I win. Unless you outpace me so bad on objectives, it's not funny. But again, depending on how I place my ships, if you're going for objectives, you're eating dice. That's that's how I've been successful with that list, but that's my play style. I play very old school X-Wing. I don't care about the scenario. I play the same every single game, whether it's Scramble the Transmissions, it's the Cargo one, it's Chance Encounter, whatever the case is, I have the same basic strategy over and over and over again and wash, rinse, repeat most, more often than not, it works. All right. <clears throat> well, as a reminder, everybody, this has been our Academy 101 segment. We've been discussing 2.5 scenarios. We're looking at wing conditions, what type of lists work best, when is your pivot to different wing conditions, an example of open opening engagement tactics and different things that you can do to stump your opponent. This has been Scramble the Transmission, and we have uh, been able to cover this specifically so that we can uh, make sure that you, you get the information you need. Next week, we're going to be covering chance engagement in the exact same format. Now, as we wrap up, with that being said, thank you all for joining us tonight. It's been an amazing show tonight. We will have one more of our Academy 101 transmissions that we will be having before the points update. Hopefully that point of points update comes and then we can actually kind of cover as a recap th this one, what our thoughts are on the, the points and kind of go from there uh, with that. If you are just tuning into us and you want to join us, you are more than welcome to follow us here on Twitch. Join us on YouTube. You can find us there. We also air the podcast on Podbean, which airs to every bloody little subscriber um, podcast channel thing that you can imagine. And if we aren't on there, get a hold of me. I'll happily get us on there. With that being said, thank you all for joining us. It was a pleasure to have Charles back for an episode. We'll have Charles on next week as well. Um, we, I believe JJ is off next week because it's his anniversary. So um, we are going to go ahead and stream without him again. Um, it's kind of it's, it's it's his payback. That's what it is. Charles is paying him back a little bit uh, for Charles having to take a couple weeks off to move. JJ takes a couple weeks off for his wife. We get a little bit of everybody. Everybody's happy. Um, I'm happy to not hear about fucking trajectory simulator B wings uh, for uh, two episodes. How about that? I got to balance it. We'll talk about Torkel Mux next week. No, 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 no. no. Well, you know what? At this point, Torkel Mux is probably not the bad guy I care about anymore. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, Fair. I'm not worried about Torkel Mux right now. I'm more worried about stupid ass Jedi and bomb throwing 
double tapping B wings who are now going to get homing torpedoes and uh, proton cannons. Man, feels like a bleak moment for anybody that's not a rebel player. Yep. Anyway, just kidding. Have a good night, everyone. We'll be back next week, 9 p.m. Eastern, and we will also be streaming games Wednesday. And then whenever we get our Kyber Cup games, uh, JJ and I have been trying to stream our Kyber Cup, Kyber Cup games on the channel. Thank you all. Have a good night, and we'll see you next week.